You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. So hope you're having a good Mother's Day. I've heard a lot of people having bad Mother's Days so far. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but Satan has been attacking a lot of people in our fellowship here today. But, um, but there's nobody like mom, as the video said. You know, there's nobody like mom. I know my, my mom, I am so grateful for her. Uh, my mom is a disciple of Jesus her whole life. Uh, well, not her whole life, but my whole life. Um, but uh, she, she's the one that I just remember her teaching me memory verses and doing family devotionals and just putting the love of Jesus into me. And so I'm forever grateful for that and her example. She's had a, uh, this, she went on uh, retirement. She officially retired last summer from uh, full-time ministry. And so, uh, so she was kind of looking forward to that. And then she got hit with a bunch of health challenges last year. So it's been a a horrible year health-wise last year for her. But, but what I appreciate through all of it is she's um, looking always for how is God working in this situation and what can I learn and, and uh, what does God want me to, to take from this? And she's just so spiritual in the way that she processes all of this. God just must have wanted me to slow down or God wanted me to have more time to read or you know just try to think about how she, how she processes uh, some really difficult stuff that she's been through. But I'm really grateful for her. And I'm really grateful for my wife. She's an amazing mom. As you saw, um, amazing uh, mom to our kids. And, uh, you know, you, you're, if, if you're married, you're, you're, uh, your respect really grows a lot when your wife becomes a mom. And uh, you, in the early days, it's, it's the, uh, you know, in the middle of the night getting up to clean up barf. Or, you know, actually, or before that, it's the, all the poop disasters. Uh, Karina, I'm, I'm supposed, I'm, I have to mention poop once a month, right? You said for... <laughs> <laughs> so I did it for this one. <laughs> Got it in. No, um, but you know, th- but then it transitions as as they get older. You know, then it's the teen stuff, and it's heavier matters. And uh, I know we have a lot of moms here of that age and older. So I think that's where Mother's Day comes with a lot of stuff to it. You know, and uh, but I really appreciate uh, Dessa making the transition. She's an amazing mom to teen kids as well as little kids, and all that they go through. So I will keep going before I start to cry. Keep going. Um, so we started a series last week called Faithful Friendships. Uh, my friend Wade Cook kicked it off for us, and uh, we talked about life in the light. We'll look at that verse again today. Um, today, the title of the lesson is Restoration of Intimacy, uh, as you can see there. And uh, so we're going to talk about intimacy. Intimacy, that word, uh, for some people, immediately they go to marital kind of sexual intimacy. That's not what we're going to talk about. And that's not a sexual word. Intimacy, it means to be known and to know others. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But but the restoration of intimacy, and there's no kind of intimacy like a mother and uh, child. And uh, you might have seen, we have a new royal baby. How many of you guys are into this? Okay, a few of you are really into it. The rest of you are like, what? What Who is that? But whoever's into it, they're really into it. Uh, The new, what's the baby's name? Archie, there you go. New baby Archie. And uh, so that was cute, but not as cute. This is a, you know, they're actually not prince and princess, they're Dutch and Duke and Duchess. Not, yeah, not Dutch and Duchess. Duke and Duchess. <laughs> but we have our own Duke and Duchess who had their baby. Uh, amen. So Dele's here. 
The Duke and Duchess of South Bay had their baby. Uh, so, and uh, we're really, really proud of them and really excited. But, you know, think about uh, Jesus. It's amazing that God decided to come to earth in the form of all the rest of us take and to be a little baby. He didn't just kind of show up as a fully formed human, right? He decided to kind of go through the same processes as we all do. And so Mary had an actual little baby. And uh, she, she, she's, I love, it gives credence to the Bible because when you read through the book of Luke in particular, you know, it says things like Mary treasured up all these things and stored them in her heart. And just things that are just so much like a mother. Um, and, and scholars think that uh, Mary was one of Luke's main sources for the book of Luke. But, uh, but it says this early in Luke, and you, you don't have to turn there. We're going to actually be spending time in 1 John if you want to go and be turning there. But, uh, but I want to read this uh, just looking at Jesus, what was first said about him by Simeon, who was a, a, a prophet. It says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You know, you think about all the feelings that you have when you, your child is, is new, and, and a, you know, uh, the dreams that you have for them, this, this prophet's prediction wasn't exactly the, you know, most positive, you know, but, but it was that this child would, would shake things up big time. And he says that he will cause the thoughts of many hearts to be revealed. You know, when you hear that phrase, uh, I don't know how you feel when you hear that phrase, the, the thoughts of your heart, we're going to have a meeting and the thoughts of your heart will be revealed. I don't feel very positive about that. I'm like, no, I don't want anyone to know what's in my heart. That's kind of our natural reaction to vulnerability, isn't it? Our natural reaction to intimacy, to our heart being known. We're like, oh, no, 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 I want to keep it covered. I want to, I want to protect my heart. I, I don't want people to know what's really going on inside. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that is and why, uh, why we can open up. Jesus allows us to open up the hearts. The thoughts of our heart can be revealed. Uh, Hebrews said, Everything is uncovered before the eyes of God, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. So God already knows what's in our heart, right? Uh, and, and yet through Jesus, we can expose ourselves uh, to what's really in our heart and, and allow others in. And, and we can have restored intimacy. So that's what we're going to look at. And this starts way back. I mean, we learned to hide uh, early on. Um, you know, those of us who are in high school over here, you kind of learn this in middle school. You know, you learn, if anything you learn from middle school, it's show no weakness. You know what I mean? Because kids are evil and they will take advantage of any weakness. I mean, I remember being in middle school and just being so afraid of, 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 of getting emotional, you know? And this one time, this kid was just, we were um, having this, I don't even remember what we were fighting about. We were in band class and uh, he was just, trying to get me going, you know, kids like that. And uh, whatever happened, it ended with me sobbing and socking him in the stomach as hard as I could. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and it was just, we both had to go to the office and all that. And it was so humiliating. And so, you know, just to lose it emotionally in front of all of the band, you know, it was just so horrible. Nothing could be worse in eighth grade, you know, than crying in front of all of it. And uh, man, it just scarred me for life. You know, just, you just don't want anyone to know what's really going on inside. And I, I just remember learning to try to like not, not let anybody, not get emotional. I don't want people to be able to, to, to get to me like that. Are you, are you with me? 
why do we hide? Why do, why do we do this? And it starts way, way back in the book of Genesis. Uh, and I won't go through the story. I think most of you guys know the story. But uh, Adam and Eve, the first humans on earth, they sinned against God. Uh, they messed up. They disobeyed God. And, and here's what it says. The intimacy they had with God and with each other was destroyed. In verse 8 it says, uh, this is Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Adam was afraid. His core emotion was fear. And this is, we're going to look at a couple things that are from a book by Larry Crabb called uh, Encouragement. And, um, and he, he uh, looks at these three things. So first of all, Adam's core emotion was he was afraid when sin entered. And I want to read you a quote here. It says, disorder, uncertainty, emotional stress, broken relationships, and death were introduced. Life's perplexing questions suddenly confronted him as they have his descendants ever since. Is there a solution? Will life work? Am I doomed to eternal rejection? Can I make it on my own? Will my marriage fail? What is the common element in these questions? All were prompted by fear. See, before sin entered, there was no fear. He, he had intimacy with God. Every, you know, he, everything's taken care of. He's got plenty to eat. There's no weeds in his garden. There's nothing to worry about. And yet in the fallen state, there's so much that we fear. Uh, fear can become just such a controlling, controlling emotion. And uh, throughout the Bible, therefore, there are so many uh, ways that God is trying to deal with our fear, help us with our fear, this core emotion. Uh, you ever have fears that you have that you didn't even realize you had come out in dreams uh, and, and things like that? I, I uh, you know, I hadn't been in school for 20 years or so, and yet still would have that dream like, what, there's a test today? You know, or I thought I dropped that class. That's one I would have all the time. Like, it's too, you know, I was supposed to be going to that class for the last four months, and now it's too late to drop it. Ah, oh, no, you know, just that would happen to me all the time. And then when I started back into college, uh, working on a master's degree, they came back even worse, you know, these fears. Uh, but I, I have the other fears of, of uh, you know, we set up, trying to set up a church service, and we don't have the right equipment, or it's all, uh, you know, we get it set up and, and we don't know what we're doing. I, what song are we supposed to be doing? I don't know. Nobody planned anything. Uh, what are we going to do? You know, or I'm supposed to be giving a talk and I have no idea what I'm going to say. And, and oh, I, I forgot to plan something, you know, and everybody's looking at me, you know, and then I'm, I'm dressed funny or whatever. You know, just th those fears that we have are so deep of rejection, right? And of, of, uh, of, of being exposed. So the second thing is, it says, because, I was afraid because I was naked. His core motivation is he doesn't want to be exposed. Sin has entered. He has fallen now. Uh, he has a, a reason to, to fear. He has knowledge of good and evil. And so he realizes that there, he's existing in an unacceptable condition. And so we fear, we, we become afraid, and that leads to, uh, because we're naked, that leads to fear. And then what is the strategy? We hide. So I hid. His core strategy. Again, quoting Larry Crabb, he says, Adam hid in an effort to avoid dealing with what he feared. He chose fig leaves and a tree to hide behind, hoping to avoid the knowing glance that would indicate rejection. 
And people since then, following in Adam's footsteps, have been searching desperately for ways to cover their unworthiness, to feel good about themselves despite the fact they are worthy of rejection. Satan is most obliging. He offers dozens of strategies for feeling good about oneself without finding acceptance in Christ. Money, fame, power, position, and luxury are among the most obvious. But equally effective are more subtle strategies, an unwillingness to examine oneself, social assertion, a critical spirit, dogmatism, shyness, sociability, whatever helps us to run from admitting who we are to anyone, including ourselves. Fearful people committed to avoiding the terror of exposure will look for places to hide. We protect ourselves in defensive layers, much as we don heavy overcoats before venturing into a wintry blizzard. Whenever we discover a protective strategy that works, we keep it available to put on as a layer whenever we feel the chill of developing rejection. Fear-inspired ingenuity is capable of thinking up an endless variety of protective strategies, jokes, silliness, a cocky attitude, boasting, manipulative tears, feigned repentance and humility, remaining quiet during group discussions, spending hours doing homework with our children or watching funny cat videos on the internet, anything that enables us to greet the world with our real selves hidden safely from sight. So Larry Crabb says we have these fears as our core, and so we, we put these layers around our, ourselves to, to keep anybody in. And what that does is it, it, it keeps us from having intimacy within, even within the church or having real, experiencing real encouragement or passing on real encouragement to others because we try to keep this protective layer. And, you know, we probably all, I know we've all experienced this. We probably have better times and worse times with this stuff. But, but like Larry said in his book, there's different ways. Some people might use humor. Some people might use just trying to keep it shallow. Uh, some people might be just avoidance, just trying not to be around people from, from church or, or being around people that might ask too many questions or just, just try to kind of keep a distance. Some might uh, just be quiet, and, and that's their mechanism. Some might be loud and over-talk, you know, and that's their mechanism. They just tell stories. You try to ask them about something, and then they're off to this story and off to this story, and it's just constantly talking, but there's no real intimacy. There's, you can't really get past the layer. Uh, so, so we all have different mechanisms, you know, and, and as he mentioned, to try to keep ourselves from really being exposed, and we build these defensive layers. And so the goal of this uh, series is to be able to develop real connections and, and move past that. And we're not going to figure it all out today, but I'm just kind of introducing to you that, that model um, so that you can be thinking about that and praying about that. Who, where have I put up layers? What are my layers? What are my defensive strategies? What am I really afraid of? Uh, you know, where am I in, in all of this? Because uh, intimacy is, is defined by sociologists as to know and be known in both the internal and external worlds. Meaning, uh, it's not just your outside and what you're doing and where you're going and, and, and what your job is and, and how you spend your time, but the internal world. What are you thinking? What are your dreams? What are your aspirations? What are your fears? What are, are your failures? You know, both inside and outside. And we all really crave this, and yet how do we get there? Because relationships are messy. Relationships are difficult. I was talking to somebody this week who said, unless that person is calling to apologize, I am not going to call them. Or we're not talking. You know, and we've probably all been there before with that feeling of, oh, what's well, on them?
you, uh, how, how do you come back to intimacy? How do you work out the, the uh, you know, the, the, the resolve those conflicts uh, when they get there? And we, we have them. We, they, they come up in our marriages. They come up with our roommates. They come up with our coworkers. Uh, with our neighbors, with our friends, sometimes even best friends in the church, can, can, these layers can come up and can, we can have separation. Uh, and, and the answer isn't just to escape. You know, in, in, the, in the Middle Ages, uh, there, there was a big rise of asceticism, which is the, the world is corrupt, the church is corrupt, so I'm just going to separate myself from all of it, live in a monastery, and, not, and you know, take a vow of silence and do nothing but read and pray, you know, and, 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 and make beer. You know, that was, that was kind of what happened in the Middle Ages. It sounds kind of good, you know, sometimes when you have issues with the relationships. That's really an easier path. And you know what? If you read the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the New Testament, you can't be a Christian and live that life. Because Christianity is all about relationships. It's all about how we interact with God and how we interact with each other. So what, what, what do we do? What's the answer? The answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus came to bring restored intimacy with God and with others. And it absolutely starts with God. But only through intimacy with God can we have true intimacy with others that lasts and that is, you know, is maintaining. And only through intimacy with God and, and restored intimacy with God can we have, can we feel safe to have those fears alleviated so that we can get open with others and we can be transparent without being afraid of of, of being rejected and being taken advantage of and being hurt. Uh, so we're going to look at 1 John. Uh, that's, we're, we're pulling things out of 1 John in this series and kind of digging into them. So if you turn over there to 1 John 1 with me, where we left off with Wade last week, and uh, let's just drink deeply of this passage here. You know, if you're thinking about something else right now, like what you have planned for Mother's Day dinner or whatever, just try to kind of quiet your brain and let's really listen to the Word of God. In fact, I'd like to say a word of prayer just that God would open our hearts and, uh, and then we'll, we'll dig into this passage. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, to be able to uh, read your Word. Thank you for its availability to us. Thank you for the power of your Word. It's amazing how Satan tries to keep us out of your Word and distract us with all kinds of other things. And uh, thank you for this time to be able to look into your word. And I pray that you'd speak to everyone by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that he would convey to us the message that you want um, said. I know each person here can hear something different. That's the way he works. And I pray that you would give each one of us the message from your word that, that we need right now. Help us to open our eyes. Help us to open our ears. Help us open our hearts to uh, Jesus and his word to us at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if it's because I said drink deeply, but now I'm really thirsty, so give me one second. This is a metaphor for what we're about to do in the Bible. Ah, much better. Okay, 1 John 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So Wade talked last week a little bit about the, the background of, of 1 John. Um, he's one of the apostles, the one that lived the longest, the only one that didn't die uh, an unnatural death, it wasn't killed. 
Um, but uh, Brian, can you turn me down again? I'm sounding weird again. I'll just holler louder if it's... Um, so he's the only one that didn't die an unnatural death. And, uh, and he's, he's telling us that you can't have intimacy with God uh, and, and yet walk in darkness. And if you think about darkness and what defines darkness, uh, darkness means things are not exposed, right? There's not real intimacy. There's, there's secrets. You don't know what's really going on, and yet in the light, everything is open. And, and, and Jesus talked about this in John 3. He says, here's the verdict. Light came into the world, yet men loved darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. He says, everyone who... Who, who does what's right comes into the light. He, he wants to be in the light, but, but those who do what are evil, they don't come into the light because they're afraid that their deeds will be exposed. So sin is the problem that keeps us from having that intimacy with God and that walking in the light. But when we do walk in the light, John says that we have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with one another. That's where we can have true relationships is when we first go to God and we first take deal with the issue of sin. And, and here he gives it right here. He says... The blood of Jesus' son purifies us from sin. Grace is what allows us to come out of hiding. If you really believe that there is a, a solution for sin and you will be accepted by God, even where you are, that allows you to face the real you. That allows you to be real. Grace is the place to face the real you. Let me say that again. Grace is the place to face the real you. You can be real if you really understand grace. And, and that's a big topic, but, but that's the point, that Jesus' blood allows us to come into the light. Jesus' blood takes away that fear of exposure uh, that we have. And he says, uh, if, next verse, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. This is amazing because John isn't saying, here's your choices. It's never sin or be perfect. That's not the choice. It's will you be open and honest and real and have your sins forgiven or will you keep hiding? That's the choice. Truth or hiding, you know, and, and, and not allowing yourself to be exposed. What an amazing thing from God, gift from God that, that he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Jesus' blood pays the price to make us right with God and right with one another. That's an amazing thing that we can take for granted if, we, if we're in the church for a while. You know, you, you, you appreciate it when you're studying the Bible. You appreciate it when you get baptized, when you first become a Christian. But then after years and years, of, we, we can kind of become pharisaical. And our walk with God becomes about these things that we do or or just association with this group, rather than understanding the grace of God that is a continual fountain. Uh, the Greek word for purifies is a continual verb. It's, it's not just a one-time thing when I got baptized. It's Jesus is continually cleansing me of sin. And so that allows me to face, to be open, to be real. Uh, I want to try not to sin. He says, I hope that you don't sin. I don't want you to sin. But if you do, you have grace. And look what he says in the next passage. He says about the same thing here. 1 John 2. My dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus gives us the security that allows us to open up to others and open up to God. Jesus gives us security to say in the garden, here I am, God. I'm not hiding in the trees anymore. I know that I sin, but because of Jesus, you accept me. And we can be right with each other. Uh, and, and we can have true spiritual community. Going from a surface community where everything's on the surface and, and there's not realness, there's not vulnerability, to transparency and openness because of the grace of God, because of Jesus, uh, we can stop hiding. A lot of times what keeps us from, from being vulnerable in our relationships is, you know, you know we say, oh, I'm okay with God. It's just, it's just with this person. <laughs> it's just with that person. That's the issue. Well, amen if it's good with God first. And that's the, you got, I got to start with God, but then we move on to each other. And, and that's where God is the foundation that allows us to work it out with each other. Because there's going to be times where you don't want to work it out with the other person, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your roommate, whether it's your friend, whether it's another brother or sister in the church. It's like, ah, I, I don't really want to work it out. I remember this, uh, this one brother, we, we worked together in the ministry, we were close. He did something that really hurt me, and I felt... I felt so affected by it. I just felt like, I remember going, I'm just not going to, we're, we're still going to be friends, but just like arm's length friends. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to expose myself again to that because it hurt too bad. But I, I appreciate this brother because he wouldn't accept that. He just kept hounding me and hounding me. No, we got to work this out. We gotta, I'm so sorry. And it, it makes me feel sad that this is where it's at. And, you know, he just kept going after it until we, 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 we bridged that again. We united again. But that was only possible in Christ. Ephesians 2 says he is, is the peace that, that allows us to be one. He's destroyed the dividing wall, it says in Ephesians 2. The, the wall of hostility by making peace through his blood. He himself is our peace, it says in, in Ephesians 2. So if you have issues with others, the, the beginning point is Jesus. And we're going to be talking more practically about that. How do I, you know, sometimes a, a, an issue in a relationship can just be this big thorny mess. It's like, where do I even start? Well, we start with Jesus. That's the one takeaway today. Start with Jesus. And then we'll work on more practicals. Because the, the answer isn't just total openness. I think sometimes we go, well, I just want to be real. I want, I want to be known. I like that part. So I want you to know everything that I feel. Okay, but there's another side to it, right? There's a commitment side to it. There's what, is, what does that person need from you? And there's, there's a framework that we need to establish, a framework of commitment, not just total openness, but a framework com of, a, of commitment. And that's what we'll be talking about in two weeks uh, from tonight when we, when we meet again. It'll be in the morning, but at our new location. So that's two weeks from, from today. And, uh, and we'll, we'll keep working on, on this. So, so in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about how do I deal with conflict? And we're going to talk about how do I become an encourager? How do I, how do I help others uh, with, with my words? And how do I get encouraged? How do I receive encouragement? And, and some of those practicals. But the takeaway for today is these three things. Number one, you pick two. You pick two. And what that means is, as we're going through this series, please pick one or two relationships that you really want to work on. This could be... A relationship that's going good and you want to build it deeper. This could be a relationship that really needs to be repaired. Uh, this could be, you know, uh, something that's kind of surfacy and you just want to go deeper. Or it could be, you know, this relationship I know has problems. But pick two. Because we're going to be uh, doing this for a couple months. 
or several weeks, it'd be great to, to, to see some change uh, in your relationships. And you pick two is also Panera Bread. Yummy meal. Uh, number two, open up. And, and what I mean by that is look for a practical opportunity this week to get vulnerable, to try that out. Test the waters, get vulnerable with somebody about thoughts, feelings, emotions. For example, um, yesterday, Dustin and I were at a soccer game, and um, we were talking about a situation, something, and she could sense I was getting irritated, and then she said, you know, I don't know, I don't know what she said exactly, but something along the lines of, you know, why am I in trouble because, you know, of what I'm trying to tell you and whatever. So I just stopped right there, and I, I could tell, you know, I'm getting, something's going on. <laughs> so it's like, okay, uh, let's stop, and, you know, and then, and then I said, the th you know, when you say getting in trouble, that makes me feel this and that. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I just mean blah, 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 and then, so, the, but then I, I was like, okay, I want to be honest. So I'm like, okay, well, here is why I feel like it, I'm getting angry is because it's, you're, we're talking about a situation that I can't control. And I think what it is, is when I'm dealing with something I can't control, for some reason I get angry because I feel like it's up to me to fix it. And she's like, I'm not telling you because it's up to you to fix it. I'm telling you so you know, because you should know about this. And it's like, yes, I should know about that. And it was just a good conversation, but it, what helped me was talking about what I really felt and not attacking her. You're not doing anything wrong, I said. And I'm sorry you felt like you're in trouble. You're not doing anything wrong. Here, I just want to be open about, I'm trying to figure out what's happening in my heart and why I'm angry right now, you know? And just try, I just try to get vulnerable, try to get real. And it was a good conversation. We didn't fight, you know, uh, uh, you know and we built on something we can keep building on. And I know next time I can say, wait, I'm feeling that, so help me with this. But, but, but this... Uh, Look for an opportunity this week with your spouse, with a coworker, with a friend to, to, to go, okay, I want to, can I, can I share something that I'm feeling? And, and a, a, a quick tip, and we'll talk more about this, that will help someone hear what you have to say is disclaimers. I love disclaimers, meaning here's, here's the disclaimers. What I'm going to share, it's not your fault, but can I share something? Or I know you didn't mean this at all. Here's how I'm feeling, but I know it's, not, I'm not blaming you. Here's just, I want to share what I'm feeling. You know, things like that allow the other person to hear you more than trying to, you know, vent. I'm just keeping it real. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in the week's ahead. But look for an opportunity to open up so you'll have some, 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 some stuff to talk about as we get through this. And then third one, third practical is make time. Make time for relationships. Relationships take time. You cannot have good relationships if you don't spend time. And uh, the marrieds are doing D groups right now. That's a great time to, to spend uh, but beyond that, you know, bonding times, hopefully as a disciple of Jesus, you have a quiet time every day. Have a quiet time with someone else. That can be super bonding. Uh, pick up the phone, uh, not just texting, but pick up the phone, but make time for relationships. And if you're here today and you're, you, you know, when we talk about this and, and Jesus's blood cleansing you and you go, that hasn't happened for me yet. I know I'm not right with God. Take a step towards God today. Take a step, go, what is it going to mean for me to get, take a step towards God, to get right with God? I, I don't, I don't want to leave it the way it is with me and God. Jesus is here, he's saying, I paid the price for you to be right with God, to have nothing to fear that you could come into the light without that fear that controls most of humankind. Figure out what is it going to mean for you to take a step towards Jesus and, and towards that forgiveness that's possible through his blood. Uh, and, and, and 
as we take communion here in a minute, I want to reflect on this, that, that intimacy with God costs something. It costs Jesus. And it costs even his relationships. Remember what Simeon told Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Just like that spear is going to pierce his side, you're going to suffer. And real intimacy might involve some suffering. You know, it's not, we all crave intimacy. We all want intimacy. It's what we need. But there's suffering involved. But Jesus suffered for us. And when we, when we take communion, we proclaim his death until, his, until he comes. And uh, so, so there's nothing we could do that Jesus hasn't already done. He's paid the price for our sins. Amen? Before we take communion, uh, we're going to have a, a special Mother's Day treat. Uh, my daughter, Cora, is going to sing a song that she wrote um, called Bring Me Back. And uh, we worked hard to keep it a secret from Dessa. <laughs> but I don't want you to be thinking about Dessa. I want you to be thinking about or Cora. I want you to be thinking about the words of this song. Because Cora, today is her one-year spiritual birthday. Uh, she was baptized. She was baptized one year ago. And, uh, but, but, and she's, she started writing this song. She wanted to, to, to try to make a CD of songs to sell so she could go to Hope Youth Corps. So she's been working on all these songs. But, but these are songs that she was writing anyway that come from her heart. And uh, I, when, when I was thinking about this lesson, thinking about songs that kind of tied in, I was like, wait, Cora wrote a song that's perfect, you know, because it really talks about the restored intimacy that's possible through Jesus. So after she sings uh, the song, we'll, we'll pray for communion and have that together. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.